Hello everybody, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. like to just take a moment to give myself a pat on the back because we have yet another new co-host this week. My friend Larnie is along for the ride. Hi guys, I'm Larnie. Super excited to be here today and hear what Patrick's put together for us. Before I get into this week's case, I actually have an update on a case that I covered recently that I want to talk about. A couple weeks ago, I covered Luke Stout's disappearance and he has been missing since July of 2012. And regarding Luke's case, there was some movement today as it was reported that there was some digging going on in a location that they have reason to believe his remains may be found. So hopefully we can have some closure and resolution with that case soon. And I'll definitely be posting an update episode if there's anything that comes from it and there's enough to make an episode. So this week's case is actually a very wild ride. Probably the craziest, I don't know if it's the craziest one I've covered recently, but it has the most twists and turns. That makes me extra excited to be the co-host on. (laughs) It's definitely, and I haven't heard of this. So like, I really like, haven't heard of many of the cases I've covered partially because of my age. Like a lot of them were, when I was very young or before I was born and listening to true crime podcasts, I feel like I would listen to, I would just binge one podcast. So it's hard to remember details about a specific case with names that aren't like serial killers or like ones that you automatically remember. Remember, yeah, that are the staple ones. But this case may be one you already know about. And that is the case of Mitrice Richardson. Mitrice was a 24-year-old living in Los Angeles with her great-grandmother. She had recently graduated from Cal State Fullerton with a degree in psychology. Mitrice had aspirations to attend grad school to obtain a doctorate in child psychology, saying that she wanted to help kids in the foster system. Mitrice was an extremely intelligent young woman graduating with honors. She was able to form a very close relationship with Dr. Rhonda Hampton, who she would intern for while she was an undergrad. She impressed Hampton with her innate compassion and intelligence, saying she was wise beyond her years. Before college, Mitrice enjoyed participating in beauty pageants and was a competitive dancer and cheerleader. Sadly, in September of 2009, Mitrice would disappear after being released from a police station. Doesn't sound very in character for somebody like that to be released from a police station. At all. And where did you say that this was again? She lives in Los Angeles, but I'm being vague. (laughs) A few years before her disappearance, Mitrice would come out to her family as a lesbian, and she was met with accepting arms, which makes me so happy. And like, I don't know, watching the documentaries on this, just her family like really, really loves her, and it just seemed like a very loving and accepting family. She embraced this identity working as a go-go dancer at a lesbian nightclub. Which I'm like, go off, girl. Yes. <laughs> She's like, I'm a competitive dancer. I know how to do this. And like, she was not a stripper. And there's no shame to stripping. But there is a distinction to be made between go-go dancing and stripping. 
and I just wanted to put that out there. Maitrice was also employed at the Santa Fe Springs Freight Company. It was from this job where she would leave early on September 16th, 2009. Her co-workers said that she seemed excited, and it is here that the usually calm and collected young woman begins to exhibit some very out-of-character behavior, starting with a trip to her aunt's house. To her aunt's house. I've never said aunt in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in, too. Like what? The way you pause, you said, hold up. Who is talking right now? <laughs> Who was not home. She would leave several flyers from her job as a go-go dancer scattered throughout her porch. And she also left a note on for her uncle, I think it was on his car, it might not have been, saying, Who is queen now, Mississippi? Next, she would stop to see her great-grandmother, who she lived with, and typically had dinner on Wednesday. They had, like, little dinner dates every Wednesday. Cute. Love that. And it was also said that she, like, lived with her grandmother, obviously, like, her great-grandmother, and she was kind of, like, a little bit of a caretaker. Felt nice and reassured that she was living there, because she was like, okay, good, she didn't have anybody that close before, so... And so it also seems like it would be out of character for her to, you know. Yeah, break these. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, it does seem like that could be out of character. That's a good point. I didn't really, but it could also just be like her wanting to like, I don't know, maybe she did have. Yeah. But as we'll get into it, yeah, it doesn't seem like she really had plans, but she would tell her grandmother she had different plans that day and she went on a little road trip. Maitrice would travel 40 miles from her home in L.A. to Malibu. While driving down the scenic highway, the aesthetic lights coming from Joffrey's restaurant caught her eye. Joffrey's is known for its lavish menu, breathtaking ocean views, and celebrity guests. Even boasting the names of Frank Sinatra, Marilyn Monroe, and John F. Kennedy. So just the average Joe Smos, you know. I bet I could get in. <laughs> What's the dress code? We just did a little mic adjustment, so if we sound a little different, sorry, but we had to take care of some. But she saw lights. They had some like aesthetic lights. I think it was like Christmas lights kind of deal, strung up about their front and their sign and stuff. And she was mesmerized, and she would pull into the restaurant lot and decide that this is where she wanted to go to dinner. She found out that it was valet parking only, so she waited for the valet employee to park another car and while she was doing so she invited herself into his car and started rifling through his cds when the valet returned he was noticeably startled by Maitrice in his car and asked what she was doing she didn't make much sense in her response saying it was subliminal whatever that means and something about being there to avenge michael jackson's death uh-huh. kind of random kind of odd the valet would go on to warn the other employees about her behavior, but they determined her to be harmless. She's like weird, it's, she's acting weird, but it's like she's not doing anything. She would get a table for one and ordered a cocktail and a $65 steak. While at the restaurant, she would spot a lively group that was like a, just a larger party sitting at a dim table. And she would pull up a chair and ask if they could, if she could join them. Interesting. I'm not social enough to do that, but hey, I'll give it to her. <laughs> yeah, no, I could never. <laughs> the group was entertained by Maitrice's eccentric behavior. She was telling them that she was from Mars and just like acting all over the place. Like she was just not, not making much sense. 
and there's a few quotes from the individuals at the table and the employees that uh, interacted with her that night. Quote, there was something obviously wrong with her, but we knew she wasn't being malicious. Another quote, but it didn't seem like she was drunk. She wasn't slurring her words, like talking about how weird she was acting. So she wasn't acting drunk. She's just acting very weird, very weird. It's just odd that this seems to have come out of nowhere. Like nobody's ever said anything that this is normal for her. You know what I mean? Like that she's acted like this before. So it's kind of weird that this just started all of a sudden. It seems like that happens like more frequently than we really know. Yeah. The more I start looking into these cases, it's like... Yeah, it's like mental breaks or it's kind of just out of the left field, but... Yeah. Like two examples in the last few weeks is Caitlin Louder and... Debbie Collier like both of those cases they didn't have any history I feel like that almost makes it harder for the family because then you're guessing like did I miss signs did I you know what I mean Mm -hmm. after they finished their meal the larger party would leave and shortly after my would try to skip out on the check she was confronted by the manager who asked her how she was going to pay and my didn't have her wallet on her person so she like kind of just was like played it off all like, oops, it was weird how she did it, I guess. Like, she just made, like, light of it. And they were like, well, this is very... Yeah, she got an expensive meal, and I'm sure the manager didn't react well to that. I'm wondering if she thought that maybe the larger table would pick up her tab, that, yeah. or... <laughs> she insinuated that that. Yeah. She was like, I thought they paid for me. She was like, no. So they called her great-grandmother, because that was the only number she knew by heart. And she hmm. didn't have her cell phone in the restaurant with her. Her great-grandmother would answer, and she was, like, very frazzled, and she would offer her credit card over the phone, but they wouldn't accept it because she wasn't there to sign, and she didn't have a fax machine machine to, like, fax her signature. That's... It's like, why they even call her then what they expect her to do? I know, like... I know, and I'm like, the amount of times, like, I just, like, you can't just do a little squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> she can't, her granddaughter can't. I know, like, we are... We are family... But no, they wouldn't allow that, and this, she was like over 90 years old, and she's like, I can't drive there right now, I can't get yeah, there, I, I don't have anybody to take me. While it was discussed among the employees that they could pool their money and pay for her bill, they were concerned for her safety. They felt that it would be safest for her to go with the authorities, and a hostess from the restaurant says, looking back on it, they wouldn't have done this. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. They say it wasn't about the money and it wasn't about getting her in trouble. This is a quote from the manager, I believe. You don't just say you are from Mars and speak unintelligibly. Something was wrong with this woman and she needed help. We couldn't just give her keys and tell her to have a nice night and go to sleep that night. So, the authorities were called. But did they call the authorities to say that she skipped out on her check or that they think that she, you know, needs some mental help or is unsafe? You Let's know, because those out. are two very different calls. Let's find out. Lost Soul Sheriff Station, Deputy Shalip, I can help you. Hi, I'm calling from Joffrey's Restaurant in Malibu. Yeah. Um, we have a guest here who is refusing to pay her bill, and we think she may, I mean, she sounds really crazy, she may be on drugs or something. Um, we are wondering if someone can come by and pick her up. Okay, well, what's the address there? It's 27400 Pacific Coast Highway. And is she a white, black, Asian, Hispanic? She's um young black girl. She's probably in her 20s. 
Okay, what's she wearing? She's wearing a black T-shirt and I think blue jeans. Is she with anybody else? No, it's just her. So the first time I heard that, it was after I read a lot about it and like saw them on a documentary talking about it. And that doesn't seem, I don't like how they put it there, but it's their first reaction. And it seems like it was cut off too, that clip. But I don't like how they like, in some of the quotes, I don't, I think it was the people who she joined the party of, who said that she clearly wasn't drunk, but she was just acting weird. But like, how are we gonna go from that, like people getting that impression of her to being like calling the police and be like, she's probably on drugs. Yeah, yeah I like don't, that's... I don't like that. But it does seem like they were pretty, they were concerned and as we'll get in, they didn't think what was gonna happen happened. What do you think about that call? I just feel like it's really different to say that someone's having a mental crisis or versus pairing the fact that they're skipping out on their bill with the fact that they also seem like they're on drugs. I just feel like that then becomes a dangerous 911 call for the person that you are trying to get help for. You know, if you're worried about her safety, why are you going to make a a a 911 call that puts her in harm's way rather than a 911 call saying that I, this woman might be having a mental crisis she doesn't have her wallet on her so she can't pay for her bill it's just odd that she would come to a restaurant without her wallet and she's been acting erratically that's a very different 911 call than the 911 call they made yeah no and i you make a very very good point and that is definitely the correct way to handle the situation it's always easier to do coulda, shoulda, woulda, though. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't know how I would have reacted in... Because, honestly, like, this is probably, like, towards the end. that It was at, like, 9.30 or so. So they're probably closing up soon. Like, all these employees, they offered to pay the bill. Like, yeah, like, we so... Just, they're, they're probably just wanting to go home at this point. They're like, why is this girl doing... Like, what is wrong with her? Like, what yeah. is happening? And, I mean, you do expect the police to be helpful regardless of Protecting the situation her. at hand. Yeah, so... When the police got there, they administered a field sobriety test, and she passed. They then asked if she had any way to pay, once again, and she said that her wallet might be in her car, so police went to search the vehicle. While they missed her wallet, which was in her car, along with her cell phone, they did find whatever police were really good at finding in cars. Give me a guess. I have no idea. A small amount of marijuana. Okay, every time. And <laughs> that, of course, honestly, it doesn't seem like it really, I, whenever I read that, I was like, oh, God, here we go. Fucking a little bit of marijuana in this black woman's car. They're going to throw the book at her and like, but it doesn't seem like that played a very large role because it is Los Angeles, like California. Yeah. This is 2009. But I will say in a the documentary it said like scraps of marijuana or like just a little bit and then her charge was possession for less than an ounce so i don't know if california that this might be the lowest one because they have yeah, can't it just legal. Do anything yeah but i feel like i don't know that, that, that hearing it first in the documentary just being like just scraps of like a little bag of scraps and then seeing the charge being possession of less than an ounce i was like oh okay yeah, it's like, little, is there smaller than that? There's yeah. not, like, minute possession or something. But I'm sure that the fact that it's not touched yeah. on and, yeah, she, as we're getting to the police, we're not very worried about her being a malicious person or criminal or anything like that.
And we, we are True Crime B&B. We do a podcast every week. We release on Fridays. And every week we'll bring to you two different true crime stories. First we'll bring you a disturbing story. And then one that will hopefully uplift your spirits a little bit. We'd love to have you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, so join us every week on Friday. Find us anywhere you find your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon. I don't know anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and also you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Crime BNB. Did we even mention that we're mom and daughter? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you join our crime family. Bye. Bye. The employees at the restaurant all say they made it explicitly clear to the police that she was acting strangely. The employees were also under the impression that she was going to be taken in for a mental health screening. Well, that's good at least. This is not what happened. She was arrested and placed in a jail cell. While she was being transported to this police station in Calabasas, 20 miles away from the restaurant, through dark, twisty, mountainous roads, by the way. Her car was being towed from the restaurant, and it was being towed about a mile away from the restaurant, which, okay, that's at least it's close to the restaurant, but... How's she going to get it back to the restaurant from this 20 miles away Calabasas? So she was heading towards this police station with no phone and no wallet. All she had was her ID and her keys to her car that was 21 miles away now. While they were making the drive, Matrice's mother, Latrice Sutton, made her first call to the police station. I am calling. I'm a little frazzled right now. I understand my daughter is being brought into the station. My Therese Richardson, has they made it to the station yet? And she's been booked. Okay. Is, is, do you know where she's coming from? Uh, it's some restaurant out in Malibu, and I, I didn't even think to get the name. The okay, manager's yeah, name the is... Only, the only place we have somebody that's in custody that they just announced on the radio that they're coming up is from Joffrey's. In Pacific Highway, it's okay. the only female that's being brought up to the station as we speak. They actually just put it on the radio right before you called. Okay, okay. I'm I'm her mother, oh, okay. and are you guys want to book her and then release her on her own recognizant tonight because it, it, it's dark. She doesn't have a car, and I don't want her wandering out. I'm I'm totally just taken aback because this is so out of character for her. Yeah. And you'll see when she comes in, she she's well spoken. I think the only way I will come and get her tonight is if you guys are going to release her tonight. Yeah. If she's going to be held in custody for some type of arraignment tomorrow, mm -hmm. then I will wait until tomorrow. She definitely has no place, you know, I mean, she's not from that area, and I would hate to <laughs> wake up to a morning report, girl, yeah. lost somewhere with her head chopped off, uh -oh. so I guess I would have to come and get her. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're in a great hills. The only thing is, at least in the station here, she will be separated, so nobody's going to be with her. Uh, so at least that's, you know, the plus thing, so you don't have to worry about her safety. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I feel safe with her being yeah. in, in custody. It's being released, but I'm worried about it. It's crazy out here. All right. Well, then I will more than likely call and touch bases with you guys a little bit later. Okay. Um, yeah, and she'll call you as soon as she comes in, too. Yeah, that just made me physically ill. The fact that she said all that and that I don't even know what happened yet, but I know that's what's gonna happen is insane so let's take away some key things from this phone call number one latrice makes it clear that if she 
that if she is going to be released tonight, she will come get her. And that is the only reason that she will come and get her. But if she is, she will. Because what was she concerned about? That she doesn't have area and she has no car. And she definitely reiterated it multiple times that she would come and get her if, if she were to be released. That was my number two point. So I'm glad you took it away. Number three. She expresses concern over getting news that her daughter would be deceased and specifying the gruesome decapitation detail. Just keep that in mind. And the deputy on the phone said that she would be placed in a cell alone and she will not be with anybody else and she will be safe. He also said that though in response to her saying that she would come and get her, like his response and that was like kind of irrelevant. She's like, okay, well I'm not worried about her in custody, I'm worried about when you release her. And like, she was very respectful and clearly is has a good relationship with law enforcement. You know yes. I mean? Like, that was, like, very... She was professional. She was like, I'm not worried about her being with you guys. You guys are the police. Yeah, like, you're who I trust. It's whenever she's out of your hands that I need you to contact me so I can come and get her. <laughs> and the fact that she was like, you'll see, she's well-spoken. Because yeah, this is... Like, we all know the... Uh, I almost said Latrice. That is her mother's name. We all know the Matrice that is very put together, very intellectual she was such a bright young woman so this is not like i'm at like getting that phone call first to grandma being like what? i can't imagine how confusing this is for her family because like her mom said on the phone it's just so out of character for her and in general the actions that she was having that you know the staff and everything spoke about just sounds out of character in general like those just sound like erratic actions you know what i mean it's not normal weirdness happening it's not normal for anybody yeah that's it's so none of this happened none of this happened like everything everything is wrong everything went wrong everything's fucking wrong what the fuck Whew, here we go i already have chills over that call so i don't even want to hear what happened but let's get it rolling placed in a cell with another female while they ran her background check so Number one, she, she was not in a cell alone. It's not that big of a deal, but... But that's not what they said. That's not what they said. They found it to be squeaky clean, her background, and decided to let her go with the stipulation that she would return to Malibu, to a Malibu courthouse. She was then released from jail a little after midnight with no cell phone, no wallet, just her IDs, and keys to her vehicle that was over 20 miles away in God knows which direction. They said that they offered to let her stay in a cell or the lobby, but she refused. Did they give her the option to call her mom or did they call her mom since her mom specifically called in and said, let me know if- Oh, oh yeah, her, the fact that her mom did that, the deputy that took that call got off shortly after and told nobody about it. Very helpful. So they don't even know that her mom is like, very concerned yeah and, uh, her specifically that exact situation is what her mom called in to prevent so and it's gonna get way more specific i apologize i have been mispronouncing latisse's name latisse sutton is my trice richardson's mother they have a similar they don't have a similar name but i just got a little tongue-tied and misspoke and wanted to correct myself but the next morning, around 5.30 a.m., Latisse would call back to check up on the status of her daughter. Yes, good, good 
morning. My name is Latisse Bretton. I'm calling to follow up on my daughter who was brought in last night around 10:30, 11 o'clock. Okay, let me chat through the jailer. Hold on, please. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So that's the only clip that I saw on documentaries and have access to, okay. but it they did make it clear to her that she was released a little after midnight, which is... I'm sure she was completely unhappy about that answer. But she keeps her composure. The deputy that took her call did not express her concerns to his superior, and the arresting officers were not made aware, as we talked about. Latisse began calling anyone she could think of and trying to track down her daughter. And when she was able, when she was unable to, she called the police station back. It was around 6 a.m., and she wanted to file a missing persons report. Rockville Station, Baumgartner. Yes, hi, my name is Latisse Batten. I called not too long ago regarding my daughter, Mytrice Richardson. How long before a missing persons report can be filed? Is it 24 or 48 hours? That's normal. Well, it depends on the circumstances, but uh, um, I, I didn't take your call, so I'm not familiar with it. Did she just not return home after going out? She was arrested last night. This is the first time she's been arrested. Um, she's in an unknown area. Mm -hmm. She's never been in. She's without a vehicle. Nobody can find her. And, and where was this at? Where was she arrested at? Your your facility. Her name is Mytrice Richardson. Okay. Do Do you know if she's if she's here now or was she released? They said she was released. Okay. And what time was she released? Um, at, at just shortly after 12 a.m. Yeah, normally I we wouldn't I wouldn't recommend doing one uh, that soon. Um, right. What is the time frame? You know, I I guess probably 24 hours would be reasonable. I mean, no. if if there would be some some mitigating factors, you know, where you know you su would suspect maybe something. You know, well, not yeah. Right. Right. She doesn't know the area. She's never been in your area before. Where, where, do you, where does she live? She is unfamiliar with that area. Do you she think she possibly could have gotten a bus home? No. And oh, listen, my child has never ridden a bus. Okay. No. Right. She would not know how to ride a bus. <laughs> I would probably wait till you know, early this morning. And if she doesn't turn up, you can certainly call. I don't suspect anything um bad happened i'm concerned because uh, well first of all i thought they were going to keep her overnight because she was highly intoxicated mm -hmm. um something so, so, something is obviously going on with her have you she talked to the jailer and yes 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 i have he said he tried to get her disabled because she was an adult they had to let her go i i believe that she is highly depressed um and she, she she's in a depressive state you know, it could be possible that maybe she. I mean, there's a lot of options and I, a lot of possibilities, and I don't think all of them would be, um, you know, something dire. But I can certainly understand your fears, you know, being your daughter and all that. Well, um, I think she's depressed. That's what has me. Is that more what, that's worried that. you more than just her. Okay. That and the fact that she's in an area where she doesn't know where she's at. Yeah, does so. she take medication at all? No, she. I, I I believe it's a state that she's in right now because of just the the weird activity that's been going what, on. What's her name? Day. What's her, her name? name is, her name is Mytrice okay. Richardson. Okay, and your name, ma'am? 
Okay. Here, here's what I want you to do. Let, yeah. get, why don't you wait a couple hours and and give us some time to kind of. I'll go back and talk to the jailer and try and get a timeline of when she was released and you know make sure she's not asleep in our lobby or anything like that. And then why don't you give us a call back in a couple hours if she hasn't shown up okay. or made contact with you, then maybe we can do something for you, okay? So she's going back to testify once again that my teacher does not know the area. That call just annoyed me because I don't know if it's only for children or what, but they always say that the first 48 hours is the most important if someone were to be missing in a dangerous situation and clearly whether it's dangerous because of another person or because of her own mental well-being. Mothers have instincts and they know more about their children than the police officer who asked her name six times. And so I think that he should have, you know, taken her concerns into a little bit more of account rather than telling her to wait a few hours that she might be sleeping in the lobby because I think if someone was sleeping in the lobby, he would likely know who it was. I would think so too. A little after this call, there was another call made to the police station and this would come from Bill Smith. Bill Smith was reporting an individual who was wandering around his property in the early morning. He lived in Cold Canyon, located at Monte Nido, nearly six miles from the police station. Yeah, hi, hey, uh, this is uh, uh, Smith at Cold Canyon. We had a prowler walking around through the backyard here, but we don't know what the situation was. I don't know if you have a unit in the area, might do a little drive-by or something. Okay, where is this at? This is Cold Canyon, like hot and cold in Monte Nido. Um, but it's in the back of the house, uh, which is right where Wood Bluff hits the hits uh, Cold Canyon. Uh, and we just had a strange woman walking through the backyard here. It's a fairly large property, and she was sitting on the steps right, right in the back of the house here. Uh, this is kind of a circular driveway, and the gates were closed, so we don't know where this woman came from. You said the cross was Wood Bluff? Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's there's a, a horse trail, a hiking trail access through here, but we've never had this kind of happen, thing happen before. What's she look like? White, black, Hispanic? Uh, you know, a tall, slim, black woman with Afro hair. How tall? Uh, well, she was sitting down, stretched out on the wooden steps in the back of the house. Hard to tell, but she looked like she might have been medium to slightly tall. Uh, with a big Afro hair, very skinny. I, mean, I think she was wearing maybe jeans or tight pants with a t-shirt. You never, you've never seen her there before? No, never. Nobody ever does that. I mean, the, the people hike on the trail all the time. We, you know, the trail goes through our property, but we leave it open on purpose because it's kind of a nice thing for horses and people. And you said she's laying across the. She was laying across the steps, or but she was sitting, kind of sprawled out on the on these wooden steps in the back of the house, right against the back of the house. She's yeah. since got up and left. Uh, she's since gone. Yeah, she's been gone about five minutes now. But as we thought it over, we thought maybe a little drive-by wouldn't be a bad idea. And what direction was she, she last seen headed? Never saw her. She, well, once she left, she just dis disappeared. Uh, we, I moved from one window to another. I said to her, I, I hollered down, are you all right? And she said, I'm just resting or something like that. Uh, but uh, she's certainly gone out of her way to get to that close to the house because the, the hiking trail is not that close. It's on the ridge. All right. Well, since we haven't checked the area for Appreciate that very much. Not a problem, sir. Thank you. Bye. 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 So as we just heard, my trees was in his backyard just kind of like sitting there and like they looked out the window and they're like are you okay like do you need help and she said no i'm just resting and they they went to another window to get a better look and by that time she was gone hmm. and what time was that call in comparison to 
the more recent call that Latisse made? It seems like they were both made right around 6, okay. between 6 and 6.30. But it is specified that that was after. So yeah, at this time they should be, they're aware of a possible missing woman matching the description of this woman. However, they did not ring any alarm bells and it would take hours for deputies to show up to the Smith's house to take their statements. It was also reported that locals heard screaming coming from the area following her disappearance. Not really specified on the time frame that the screaming reports happened. We have to think of how different the story would be if, if the police would have connected Bill's call with that of Latisse. Especially since they were in such a close time frame. Communicate. Yeah, they should be knowing the calls that are coming in. In the days following these calls, Maitrice is officially reported missing and her family starts to look into the days before her disappearance, and they find numerous pieces of evidence that suggest she was having a mental break of sorts. She was sending illogical text messages to her mother, but when her mom would call her confused, she said that she was able to just like explain them away and like make her like not worry to like, oh, this is just this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and her mom was like, okay. On September 18th, the police returned to the Smiths and confirmed that the individual was Maitrice, with the help of dogs and footprints that they identified. They follow her footprints, which they believe were running until they would disappear into a mass of footprints and hoofprints from the nearby horseback and hiking trail. An eight hour search that day turned up nothing. The landscape of the area that they were searching was very, very rough, like mountainous, rocky. The fact that it's a hiking trail makes it hard to, you know, follow sense and, and paths. On September 23rd, homicide detectives were assigned to her case. They go back, they would go back to her car and look for evidence and they obtained a journal that gave them a little more insight into the days before her disappearance. In the 24 hours before she went missing, she was almost constantly posting her thoughts to social media and kind of like an unintelligible like blur but it was like she was constantly constantly posting a psychologist from the LAPD said that she was potentially experiencing bipolar disorder and having a manic episode they also thought that she had gone without a full nights of full nights sleep with, for like five days they said which certainly would not help a manic episode at all so that is what they're pointing to potential bipolar disorder. Her cell phone and wallet, like I said, were in her car, apparently overlooked the night of her arrest. In her wallet was her debit card, and in her bank account was over $2,000, which she could have easily, easily paid. paid for dinner, yeah, so it's just clearly something is off right now. The police would tell Mitrice's family that there was no video footage of her from the night that she was arrested. They would tell them this time and time again, until months after when an officer slipped up in a meeting with the family and made it apparent that there was some video. The family finally gets to see the video. They say she's acting very strangely and like pulling at the mesh material on the wall inside of the cell, kind of like acting like she wanted to break out, just acting weird. And two minutes after she was allowed to leave the station, another deputy left behind her. The family wanted to get a hold of this officer, of course, and the deputy reported to the news that he was never told about Maitrice and isn't even sure if he worked that night, can't remember anything about it, 
but he was not involved with her case and his logs backed up the story like from that night so that could be just he really was just not even yeah just didn't even know about it as time passes the family becomes less trusting of police and obtained a civil rights attorney so not only did they just let her go with no way to get home no phone not only did they kind of like drag their feet on going to that sighting of potentially potential sighting of her at the smiths but there's evidence that the police neglected to make note of her strange behavior in the arrest records and the employees from the restaurant played a part in clearing this up the valet gave a statement in which he recalled one of the deputies calling my trees a quote ding which is a term used by police to refer to someone who is experiencing mental health issues this is a key comment because i don't i didn't know what that was i don't know if you know what that was like a, I so like a civilian doesn't know the slang but it is common in the police profession and it shows that the deputy believed that she was experiencing mental health issues and she should have been taken in for mental health evaluation yeah and it's weird that they didn't like even note any mental health you know suspicions in her case much less the fact that they didn't even take her in for an evaluation it's almost like they were trying to cover it up the police later claimed that she was not acting weird in any way that made her seem incoherent, which is how they justified releasing her. So, like I said, the valet, hostess, and manager all communicated to the police the night of that she seemed unstable. But whenever they were asked to review their statements from the night, like looking back on it, they noticed that the parts expressing the concern about her behavior had been omitted from the reports, including the ding comment. The hostess says that she believes that they were trying to cover their asses because that, that's what they were doing. The valet was especially upset with the lack of accuracy and reported the ding comment that was made as well as the story about her getting into his car. He said that I told them she could be a danger to herself or others. The manager says the report is absolutely full of errors, referring to the police report from that night. So how can they take an inaccurate police report you know what i mean like in reviewing it i would be like what the hell is going on right now <laughs> that's what the restaurant employees were like what the fuck were you guys doing so just so you know that there was some conflict between the police and her family but like i just want you to remember how respectful and put together latisse was when she was talking to that's the first thing i thought whenever you said they started to lose trust in police and had to reach out you know elsewhere because the first call began with oh i'm not worried about her when she's in your hands it's when you let her go and now it's should i ever have felt that she was safe you know because our she feels that she can't trust them now too four months following my disappearance LA officials put together the largest search in over 20 years that was seen in the county. Not like worldwide nationwide, but like in yeah. LA. Sadly, this would yield no results. In February of 2010, something happens that turns everything in the case upside down. Or does it? Her father was in Las Vegas when he saw who he believed to be Matrice working as a prostitute. Stunned, Michael Richardson would jump out of his car and yell for his daughter and he, as he began to chase her. Sadly, he lost her in a crowd. 
Convinced of what he saw, Michael would spend months searching for his daughter in what turned out to be the entirely wrong location. He was not the only person to believe they saw her. An old high school friend said that they believed this as well, like they had an encounter where they thought that they saw Maitrese. And eventually the authorities would like look into this and they came up with around 70 people who reported that they saw an individual matching the description. But in the end, this was just a wild goose chase of sorts. Yeah. Her mother always remained skeptical of this lead, but who can blame her father? Like, if you think you saw her with your own eyes, like, there's there's no taking a father, like, out of, like, if you, there's no convincing a father, like, stop looking for your daughter that you just saw, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to do everything he can to. Especially if he thought that she was out there, you know, prostituting herself or something. I'm sure he's concerned for her safety. So now he's like, this is my new mission. Extra dad mode, yeah. Yeah, like... Which I'm like, I don't know, like, prostituting in Las Vegas, it's like... That's a a hot-paying job, and like... Yeah. Like, that's the place to prostitute. I don't know if it was legal then or not. I don't think it was. Probably not. I don't know when that happened, but it's legal. Do you know? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, prostitution is legal in Vegas. I have no idea. It's actually really interesting and cool. Yeah. People can do whatever. Prostitution should be legal everywhere. Yes, if you want to do that, then I'm all for it. You know, by all means, as long as you're in safe situations. Which is not what happens most of the time, but it could yeah, be that's, if it Yeah, that's legal. only, exactly, that's the only reason I'm quote, quote, against it is for your own safety. It's, you know, there are shady people out there. And pimping. And yeah. All of these things emerge because it's Because it has to be done underground, yeah, rather than it being done in a safe, classy facility. Legalized prostitution. Period. Legalized sex work, I guess. I think that'd be a better way to put it. Yes. Let's move away from prostitution because that has a stigma. Yes, but legalize all realms of sex work, not just the ones that you find that you can make a pretty penny off of. You know what I mean? Like the government funds stripping, you know, good for their pockets, but not not so much other things, which is stupid. That's going on a side tangent about why prostitution should be legal. But good point. (laughs) Good thing that we made that little side note because we're about to get heavy. On August 9th, 2010, a little under a year following her disappearance, park rangers were going to check out a previously busted marijuana farm that was previously being operated by the Mexican drug cartel. So just little small town things. (laughs) This farm was near Cold Canyon. Does that name sound familiar? Where she was seen in the person's backyard. Yes. See, look at you. You're saying it's hard to pay attention. (laughs) I remember Colgan. On the way to the location of the old marijuana farm, the rangers would stumble upon what would be determined as the remains of Maitrese Richardson. Trigger warning. We're going to get into the description of her remains. Maitrese was found naked and partially mummified. A state of decomposition in which the body has a leather-like texture, kind of like it's been frozen. And this only occurs uh, if the body is exposed to sub-freezing temperature or an extremely dry environment. Natural mummification is extremely rare and virtually impossible with the climate of the canyon. 
Her skull and spine were found separate from the rest of her body and her clothes had been scattered hundreds of feet down the ravine. The first deputy to arrive at the scene spent over an hour and a half at the scene before notifying the coroner's office. But why? What was he doing? Good question. So at that time, when he did notify the coroner's office after the hour and a half, two helicopters were dispatched, one for police and one for the coroner. Only one of the helicopters would be delayed for hours. Can you guess which one? The coroner's office, but why? Apparently there were no helicopters available other than the two, and the one got caught up rescuing some stranded hikers or something like that. But there's also apparently no shortage of helicopters within the LA Sheriff's Department, and it's also known that the fire department in LA helps out from time to time with uh, helicopters, which they were not contacted. All in all, police would spend over six hours at the scene without the coroner. And then they just packed up her remains against the coroner's orders due to miscommunication. He never made it to the scene. The coroner never got to the scene. And now they've, now there is no scene because they've packed it up, which there could be, you know, vital information at, at the scene of the accident and that is now gone. As they would haphazardly collect her remains, they would leave behind several of her bones. They had unrestricted access to the crime scene for over seven hours with no coroner. The family was originally told that they were going to leave her remains there overnight because of the coroner's order. However, whenever they decided to move the body, they cited animals and dangerous conditions as their reason, as their reason for deciding against keeping it there. As if she hasn't been there for likely about a year now. You know, assuming that this happened close to her disappearance. That was my first thought too, and but her dad, he said his reaction was that he said, I just had to laugh because you're out there with a gun to protect yourself. Yeah. And there's like two of you and you sent my daughter out with nothing to protect herself in the middle of the night. He was like, yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Great, buddy. I think you can handle it. But don't worry, they went back to revisit the scene of the crime. But when they went back the next day, they were unable to find it at first because they got dropped off at the wrong canyon. And then once they got dropped off at the right canyon, they forgot their GPS. So they Very unprofessional. They couldn't find the location until two weeks later when they returned and found nine more of her bones. How do you do that sloppy of a job? Like, you're, you're already asked not to move it, you know? And then you do, and you leave her body <laughs> behind. That's improper handling. Like, that's just ridiculous. Months later, her mother, her mentor, who I mentioned at the beginning, who she interned for, and an independent forensic anthropologist that began working with the family all went to memorialize the area where she was found. They When they returned, the forensic anthropologist was showing her mother how they conduct searches, kind of like what they would do, just kind of like acting it out for her, showing her like this is how they were probably like, I don't know how, I don't know the context of it, but they would discover a bone that had yet to be collected by the authorities. But yeah, they were worried about the animals getting to her. Yeah, but you guys left 
multiple bones there for weeks and then Months. another one for even longer that her family had to discover but you're worried about the animals like what none of that just makes any sense this prompted yet another search which led to the discovery of even more bones where what were they doing during the first search <laughs> like i'm annoyed now at this point like i'm trying to be and they had seven hours like, oh. like, what were they doing in those seven hours that they couldn't have located all the goddamn bones? It doesn't make... What were they doing with the time? Thinking about how they're how going to... cover... To... Sweep things under the rug while well, you're not sweeping it under the rug too well if you don't even get all the parts. Like, what? Another quick point. If the cops couldn't find this location, like, with helicopters, with GPS, like, the wrong canyon, it was so hard to find. How the fuck did she get there by herself? Like, just stumbling, blue, 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 blue. And how did her... Well, I mean, obviously, it was more known after it was found the second time. But how did her family and everyone find... Like, how did the group that went to Memorial Eliza find it? But the That was came. after they had revisited. Yeah. But my point is, it's like, if it's so deep and so hard to find into the woods, what person would just keep walking deeper and deeper into yeah, the woods? Yeah, that far. And clearly, she had some sort of whereabouts about her because she was, like, resting near a house you know what i mean yeah she was, like, like she civilization. wasn't she wasn't sitting on the trail when she was resting she purposely got close and it's not like she was like resting in a fucking tree in the middle of the woods you know what yeah I mean? like she was i don't know it's not like she's fucking feral like why would she go into the middle of the woods Woods, yeah that doesn't make any sense like what she so it was over five and a half miles from the police station windy ass like these roads are like west virginia roads like these roads are like no joke yeah but if you have no idea where you're going, no sense of direction, no cell phone, you know, I'm not Middle saying to walk night. into the woods, but you can't tell where you're at. And she traveled those six miles, five and a half miles in the middle of the night because she was there at six in the morning. Morning, yeah. So that's, and the average walking pace is about 20 minutes. So that is like an hour of wa an hour straight of walking. Yeah. And that's like if you knew where you're going. Where you're going, line. yeah. So this independent forensic anthropologist Clea Koff like I said began working with the family and she would she would conduct her own investigation with the evidence that was collected in Mitrice's body bag she discovered her clothing that had never been tested she was found naked and her clothes were found but never sent to the crime lab just sitting in her body bag, untested evidence. I'm getting more and more annoyed as the case goes on and less confident in the work that the police are doing, which is extremely unfortunate. One of the most essential pieces of evidence, if police really want to put any homicide rumors to rest, was to test the goddamn clothes. If you tested the clothes and you say there is no DNA on, this, on these clothes, on this, on her outfit, other than hers, that goes a long way. Yeah, that clears a lot of suspicion in the case. I thought it's a hundred percent clean slate, but you know, it's, yeah, it's a, a lot start. Where what were you? What were you testing? What were you? What was your, you know, clearance? So, cough took huge issue with this. She also mentions that her left arm was tightly flexed against her chest which said to some that she was confined to a small space. I'm also 
you know, intrigued by the mummified part? Does that mean that she passed there? Did she... That's literally... Do I they just, think that she was in an icebox first? Because they just said a tight space and she's mummified and it had to be cold, like, or dry. I'm like... There's really no explanation to that. Um, that was my next note because Cough took issue with that as well. She was like, how did that happen? The climate of this area does not line up with that. In one of the articles, it said, like, the ideal space would be like an attic or a closet. Yeah. For something like that, like indoor. It's believed by her family that she was very clearly placed at her spot after the yeah. fact. And no socks, no shoes, no undergarments, no shirt was found. Like just some random pieces of clothing, not all yeah. of And her hyoid bone, which is a bone in the neck that would allow officials to determine if she was strangled, was missing. Hmm. So another thing that could have been like, yeah, it, no homicide here. Okay, this is just a weird, a very weird side note that like one of the documentaries I watched like touched on a lot more than the other. So I'm like, I don't know. Near her body was racially and sexually themed graffiti along with paint cans. So there was, it was graffiti of women with um, like afros, like black women with afros. There was marijuana, marijuana joint, and the initials LA was on it as well. Her mother feels that this graffiti was intentional and it kind of tells a story of what happened to Matrice. Cause like she's from LA, her hair, she styled her hair at the time. It was in the, like more of an Afro style. I don't know if that's like the proper, is there a more, like it's just like puffier hair, like it's, it's yeah. Afro style. Yes. For, okay. And, and that is also. Cause it's like, whenever I hear Afro, I think perfect circle, you know what I mean? She had, she didn't have it like, she had like the curls to the side, but it was yeah. still like the beautiful curls that was depicted in the uh, mural. And yeah, it's just weird that it was close to her body. And another thing that was only mentioned in one article and neither of the documentaries is that her body was found right across from a known pornography filming location. Hmm. So this is all interesting if, you know, it's just like who would take the time to do a graffiti if they're doing something so dangerous or did they do that before? Did they find this location and decide this is where it would be and put the graffiti there? It's just odd. Oh yeah, I bet that's exactly. I mean, if the person who, if somebody is responsible for her death, and they are also responsible for the graffiti, clearly went there before, and then put the body. Because yeah. I think that if she's mummified, she they would have had, but partially mummified. Remember that. Yeah. Because she was partially skeletal, partially mummified. So the police have never ruled this case a homicide, and there has never been any foul play suspected. Matrice's family sued the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department for releasing Matrice during a mental health episode. An investigation was originally shot down, but eventually in 2016, they were able to get one. They looked into it, they conducted an investigation, and they determined that there was not sufficient evidence to suggest that there was any criminal uh, conduct in the police's actions. There was a $900,000 settlement that was split between your parents for civil wrongful death charges, which would never do anything. But you can never put a price on your child's death, but bare minimum that is way less than what they deserve because this is 
to me it's a negligence. I mean, she very specifically called and asked for her daughter to be released to her. They clearly are leaving out details in regards to what the state of her mental health was to try to save their ass, you know. And it's know. so eerie. I, we didn't talk about this yet. It's so eerie that in that original phone call, she basically like described the happened. entire. As soon case. as I heard it, I was like, I didn't even know the situation at hand, but I knew that that is what was going to happen because of how it's just weird how specific and in-depth the call was not just like oh i don't want her to be released at night it's scary out there like that has to haunt her i could not imagine how you would feel whenever it's like the damn like she, a, she a was, mother's instinct was so strong like she damn near knew before anybody said, knew she was like beating herself up kind of like did i speak it into existence like no no, like, it's yeah. everything is the chicken or the egg you know did did you speak it into existence or did the universe bring you that energy because that's what was gonna happen you know we will never know if the chicken or the egg is first but regardless you know she had a feeling and that doesn't you don't pull that out of thin air you and know she made I mean? it very apparent yeah to the police who did nothing with it so let's get into how the authorities explain away this non-homicidal death Authorities say that animals are responsible for the removal of her clothes or the ravine could have moved them because they were found hundreds of feet away from her body. So this would require unbuckling a belt, unbuttoning jeans, taking them off, taking off her socks and her shoes. Are the animal claws? And both of her shirts and unhook her bra and take off her underwear. All while not inflicting any sort of scratches or damage to her clothing or the body. That literally makes no sense. Is it Bigfoot with dinkity hands and he knows how to undress somebody? Like, who? what animal did this? So, like, it, the animal, no scratches, and, like, the ravine, how could that have done the belt? None how could that this, have done the bra? None of that is adding up. Anyway. The ravine would have weathered away her body then rather than mummifying it. Like, none of that is making sense. For the cause of death, the sheriff's department suggested oak tree poisoning, which is so, which is so rare that there are no reliable statistics, like, regarding it. However, if this was not the case, they also suggest that it was probably a rattlesnake bite, and she is one of two people. In California each year to die from this okay that just sounds like they're guessing at this point because did they find traces of poison in her body at all in the part that was mummified did they find you know snake poison or tree poison that nobody has died from because it's not on record of that like what are they even it just sounds like they're playing make-believe right now I would be so frustrated at those answers the original autopsy, it concluded that it was undetermined death, and they fought, and they wanted to have more research done, and they had her body exhumed so they could do more research on the body, and they still came back with the same undetermined death. No foul play, no homicide suspected. And what about the, like, head and spine being taken apart? 
They said that that was from, oh yeah, I'm glad that you asked that because I forgot to put that in my notes. Perfect. This is, this makes no sense either. They said that that was from when they, the police discovered the body and they were picking it up and it kind of deteriorated like that and just fell. But that's determined that like it, it literally couldn't have happened that way. Okay, they're done. Zero out of ten for this police department. Wait, now I want to go back. Because ain't no fucking way. Like, that... Why'd y'all even move the damn body whenever the coroner's office told you not to? Like, it just... The disrespect. This was debunked by one of the pictures one of the rangers had taken of the crime scene before the deputies arrived. So, like, the rangers that were looking for the marijuana field... They found the body. They called the police. The police got there. It was already up off. So yeah, that was from my source. That will be in the links. Well, that's just... How are they not getting in... If we falsify a police statement, we get in trouble. So how are the police falsifying records and police statements and, and statements from the restaurant workers? Like, this just... Where's their liability that they have? Because if I go in the court of law and make a false statement, my ass is going to jail. So what the fuck are y'all doing? Falsifying all this stuff. And it's also noted that this is the same police department that a few years before, like, gave Mel Gibson a ride home. Like, that was, like, 10 miles away after he, like, was brought in on, like, an aggravated DUI charge. Take that with a grain of salt. Bring that same energy be a chauffeur for everyone then if that's not just for Mel Gibson okay the fuck in 2019 there was a new sheriff that took charge of the Los Angeles Sheriff Department and he had a meeting with the Richardson family and made them aware of some changes that had been made the department doesn't require the 24-hour waiting period now for missing persons for adults and it makes sure that people have their cell phones and personal property returned to them before they are released from jail which is like she didn't even have that stuff on her because she didn't find it in her car. Because if You're you too found busy it, finding a little bit of marijuana that you didn't get her wallet and just pay for the bill and never take her to jail in the damn first place because she told you that her wallet might be in the car and she never should have even been taken to jail regardless because she could have paid for it. So, sorry guys, clearly I'm heated now. But, regardless... It is nice that, bare minimum, if the one good thing that can come out of this is a change going forward so that no other mother or family has to go through this situation, then I am glad that at least they could make the necessary changes that they did not, you know, handle appropriately in this case, that they hopefully will never do that again moving forward. I feel like... It still doesn't do anything to help any of the pain, but it, to know that hopefully some other families may, might not have to go through this. Through this, might yeah, not have to if go you can at least save someone else from it. You ignoring my gut feeling from the get-go. The multiple calls that were made that could have made a huge impact in this case. There is currently a $20,000 reward offered to anyone with information about Mitrice's death. Those with information are asked to contact Crime Stoppers at 800-222-TIPS. That's 800-222-TIPS. Now we're going to get into the theories. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to go into... I didn't really even look into theories online because I'm sure there's so 
many, but I really just think that the uh, LAPD fucked, the, it's not the LAPD, it's the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. The LA Sheriff's Department did a very sloppy job in the arrest of Maitrese. They didn't pay attention, they didn't make good notes about her mental health and her behavior that was clearly alarming everybody who interacted with her that night. There was no communication between the arresting officer and the officers at the station. The person who took Latisse's phone call should have taken it a lot more seriously and communicated with other people that she was worried about this. But none of that happened and they still released her. I don't think them releasing... I think that they released her and they really genuinely were like, you can stay here if you want to, but we can't force you to. You know what I mean? Yes, but, but that's, you know, not enough whenever someone is possibly in, you know, an unwell mental state. They need a little bit more guidance than that. And I understand that her being an adult, they couldn't force her to stay, but... Maybe a mental health screening, maybe something. Maybe a mental health screening as a way to delay her leaving in the middle of the night. Say, you know, you need to stay for a little bit longer so that we can do a screening in order to let you go. Maybe reach out to her mom to update her. I know that there wasn't that communication, but begin with, yeah. it just feels like, you know, there was negligence in this case. And then it seems like they spent some of the gays, you know, buttoning up their, their loose ends because it looks bad on them that she specifically called and, you know, asked for this exact thing to not happen, which has now happened. And, you know, it just feels like in them buttoning up the loose ends uh, some key evidence has been messed up has been altered has you know not not appropriately been reported because they were so worried about covering their behinds due to the negligence that now some key parts that could have helped possibly solve this you know have now been altered and changed in their best interest rather than in the families and then the resolution of this case's best interest. And we will never know now, yeah. You never, they never followed up on the sighting, they never did anything to, like, you're absolutely right. They didn't follow up on the sighting, they changed the statements from the workers at the restaurant, they claimed to have moved the head in packing up the body that they were requested to never pack up, but it seemed to have been gone before because of the photos from this. Like, everything seems like it's been trying to save their butts, which could have been key evidence. If you would have just made a mental health note, if you would have just done the screening, mm -hmm. if you, you know. Which is like, yes, it's not... Yeah, it is, it's still malicious. It's still very malicious. But Yeah, like, like, I get it's bad PR for you, but this could have been... That bad PR could have been catching a murderer if you, you know, so the... This could have been way more than just. We're saving this her is life. Public safety, yes. If you would have acted on the, the sighting call, like if you would have never released her to begin, you know, like there's the the part that annoys me the most about this case is that there were like multiple check-ins where they could have been like, oh, here's here's where I clean it up. Oh, here, you know, like in uh in meaning in get this resolved co correctly yes they did release her when they shouldn't have but then they got that sighting call and she just left five minutes ago if they'd have been in the area even within 10 20 minutes who knows what the different outcome could have been 
you know, so, and then when, uh, then again, whenever they did find her body, how do you lose the sighting for two weeks? Like, what the, what is going on here? And how do you not take the how GPS are you guys when you go back funded out? as a police department? And I feel like Patrick and I could have done some cleaner fucking work. Like, what is this? It just screams cover up to me. It screams we did a messy job and we want to cover it up for PR reasons. And then in turn are making it more of a mess for the family who's trying to get answers that they deserve. I'm trying to grieve the loss of their loved one. But that is the case. That's the full case. That's all we have. Like I said, there is the Crime Stoppers Reward Fund with anybody with information that would lead to any closure in Mitrice's death. I do hope, you know, that they find the answers they're looking for. Overall, Patrick and I have rated the LA Sheriff's Department a 0 out of 10 this evening. And, yeah. A negative 3 out of 10. Negative. Because the negative one, they fucked up with the phone call, the original phone call. Negative two, falsifying the employee statements. Negative three, moving the body that the coroner's office told them not to. Negative four, losing the site for uh, two weeks. Negative five, having their family find another bone. Negative six, lying about the video negative seven not testing the clothes i mean i I could just go on and on like this is not just slight negligence like this is the fact that they're we forgot about that we didn't talk about the fact that they hid they hid the video footage for four months from the family yeah well they can up one because i'm about tired of this police department doing the head of it it at the time was actually like convicted with shit with the fbi he's in big trouble so that was before the new guy came in and was like, we're I'm, making these changes and hopefully this is not anymore. Yeah, well, I'm glad that hopefully he is getting that police department guided in the correct direction because they clearly needed some serious help to, to be able to assist people in the way that they should. Mm-hmm. At one point, the, uh, Michael Richardson even enlisted the help of the California state prosecutor at the time, Kamala Harris sound familiar yeah that's crazy um and she helped him for a short time but before closing the case because there was really nothing to go off of and he would he was pissed and he would criticize her because she did it right before her election to senate and then after she got elected she yeah so not a good luck side note side note (laughs) kamal harris i Um, do she yes she's got a lot in her her past that is a little shady, as all politicians do. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and letting me walk you through probably the, this is the longest episode I've done in a while. Well, sorry everyone for getting a little bit heated throughout this episode. You gotta get heated. You, gotta. you know, I literally became physically ill for a moment listening to the first police call that her mother made and just knowing that we're on a true crime podcast, so I know where this story had to be leading to. I, I'm physically ill for her family, and I feel, you know, so bad that they are going through this, and my heart's really out to them. So I appreciate being on the show. I listen to every episode, so. Yes, you're one of the best. It'll fans. be disgusting to hear my voice on an episode, but loved being here, and it was really cool to hear the 
the case in person and be able to comment back and ask questions rather than just listening to it on my car rides. So. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed coming on the show. You definitely were a good co-host. And as I say, frequently, I'll probably have to have you back. I would love to return. I'm definitely going to run out of co-hosts eventually. So we'll have some return. Even though we already had some return. I like whenever you have repeats because I'm like, oh, they're back. Like whenever Abby was gone for a few episodes and then she came back, I was like, ooh. (laughs) Before I ended this episode, I just wanted to take a moment to send my heartfelt condolences to my Trice family. I cannot imagine your frustration with this case. I am fuming and I really, I, I didn't know. My trees personally. She seemed like a beautiful young woman who had so much to give the world. She seemed so intellectual, so intelligent, so motivated. And it is a shame that she is not here to pursue her passions and make the world a better place. With that being said, if you want to connect with me and share your theories about the case or any of my other cases, and or make case suggestions or just chat with me, you can get in touch with me on my Instagram. That is at podcast NAU. Bringing it back, podcast NAU. Stop <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back. I, I saw you. Bring like, it around town. Oh, oh, that's what I needed to do. <laughs> Larnie and I are the best friends. The best Spongebob friend. I don't even know how to put it. We're best friends. We're the bestest Spongebob Squarepants friends of all time. He's Patrick and I'm Spongebob. And we did wear silly bands every day, but he's a piece of shit and lost his and I have another one to give him. Um, It was months though. It was months. We had him on. I know you still have it. I'm so sad. A lone wolf over here. I also have a TikTok. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not adding up. And you can get on Facebook too. And find me. Not adding up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hold it together over here. Larnie, actually, you're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I hope everybody enjoyed this week's case. And I hope that you are all having a great morning, afternoon, or evening. Whenever it is you are listening to this. And I hope you all tune in again soon for another case that just does not add up. And by soon he means every Friday. Mm-hmm.